This episode is brought to you by the generosity of our listeners. Needs scream at a person like me. I see them and I have to fix them. That's just my nature. That's author and speaker Elizabeth Adams on this episode of the Bold Idea Podcast. Put your faith to work. This is the Bold Idea Podcast with ideas, interviews, and inspiration to bring your bold ideas to life. Here are your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bold Idea Podcast. This is your co-host, Larry Gates. And Armin Asadi. We're here to help you put your faith to work and to bring that bold idea to life. And uh, Armin, we got another exciting guest on our program today. Uh, yeah, this one's going to be one of those guests that's going to speak to people in a very specific situation in life. And uh, it, it's going to be powerful wisdom and resources. And for those of you who are past the specific season of life that we're talking about, you're going to say the same thing that Larry's going to say by the end of this <laughs> podcast. That's right. And that you wish she were around earlier. This is Elizabeth Adams we're going to be speaking with. She's a founder of the World Peace Project. And she just released just yesterday... Her book, Living with Mama, A Guide to Caring for Adult Children, Aging Parents, and Ourselves. I like that last part, and ourselves. <laughs> she is a nationally accomplished speaker. Elizabeth has presented to audiences on multi-generational relationships, international adoption, interfaith issues. And today she's going to talk to us about bringing out our best when life's demands kind of hits us hard. And we're talking today specifically about dealing with aging parents or older adult children, and uh, when they might throw us off course. And you're going to want to listen up if you've got either aging parents or adult children. And if you don't, and you might be one of those adult children <laughs> and you could gain, <laughs> gain some wisdom from. So we're going to just say welcome to the Bold Idea Podcast, Elizabeth. Good morning. Good afternoon. Yeah, whatever time it is, it's good. <laughs> hey, glad you're here. Uh, you have like just released, like yesterday, a book called Living with Mama, A Guide to Caring for Adult Children, Aging Parents, and Ourselves. Uh, we'll talk about that in a few minutes, but tell us what got you to the point that you were even interested in this topic. Well, Larry, what's really interesting is I wasn't interested in this topic at all. Um, I was kind of thrown in the deep end. I was, um, my husband and I were raising three daughters, which is interesting enough yep. in the life to go with. But my mother came down with cancer. Mm. And in the meantime, I'm still doing graduate school. I'm still working a part-time job. And now, because I am the oldest daughter, I felt like it's my job to take care of my mother. And for 15 years, she had a fabulous journey uh, until uh, the very end. And, and we stayed best friends. But in the meantime, I learned I was too tired to even go to bed at night because I had all of that I had to do in one day, every day for years. Now, where, where are you in life here? Were you in your 30s or late 20s or where were you when you were tackling this? I was in my, uh, all through my late 30s, 40s and early 50s now. Okay. Mm -hmm. But when you were dealing with your, when you found out about your mom and you felt like you needed to make that transition to help her kind of, where, where were you at in your life stage at that point? I was in my my entire 40s. Yeah. And so your kids were 
adolescent? How old are they? The they your daughters? Were teenagers and they're All adults right. now. So you're dealing with teenagers, which is a you know it's a handful in and of itself. And then you hear word that your your mom has has cancer. What did that cause you to have to think about and evaluate? That's a really great question. Um, and I'm going to say that because I didn't think and I didn't evaluate. I just started <laughs> doing right. And doing and doing more. And every time I saw another need, I was trying to fill it. And it was stressing our marriage to Mm -hmm. the absolute max, financially, emotionally, everything. Because even teenagers do that. Now let's add on um, someone that you love very much needing a lot of care on top of that. So I wish I would have thought. But if I didn't hit those breaking points that I hit, I wouldn't have seen how amazing this can be when you start relying on God for it. And it's not just that, oh, let's give it to God, but there's actually some actual exercises that you can do that are proven psychologically and socially and spiritually to work to help you to think before you say yes to the next demand. Yeah, I was just just going to ask you about that. I'm going to pull an Armin on you and ask you to get real practical about what you mean by relying on God. Because here you are, if I'm understanding you right, you're pursuing your degree from Columbia. Uh And I'm sure you had some ideas about where that was going to take you, what you were going to do next. And all of a sudden you had this sense of obligation that you needed to step into, a responsibility that you took on. And now you're saying it became a blessing because you relied on God. But practically speaking, what did that look like? I love that question because I am a practical theologian. So what that means is I really only know two things. I know that we're created in the image of an unconditionally loving God and that we need to pay attention to that soul, that perfect, loving, universal breath that was put into us. So I get to meet spirituality and practicality in the same space. Mm. Now, what does that look like? A quick story in that I was driving back and forth to Kentucky where my mother was living. At least once a month, I would go home, clean her house, clean her bathroom specifically, because when you're going through chemo, you're on your knees a lot in the bathroom. And I wanted her to have a clean, safe space to be when I couldn't be there to hold her head. Mm. And that's how I felt like I was loving her through this. Mm -hmm. Um, I get to halfway back to where I was living at the time, which was Georgia. And I go through the McDonald's drive-thru line and all of a sudden this car starts honking right behind me. And I went into that mother mode, you know, where you look in the back window with the death stare at the person behind you, right? Don't make me come back there. Don't make me come back there, stare. And all of a sudden I realized, oh my goodness, I've fallen asleep in the drive-thru. Oh no. Yeah. 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 Wow. (laughs) So I couldn't be mad at him anymore. Instead, I was just terribly embarrassed. Wake up, your fries are getting cold. I wasn't driving 70 miles an hour. Yeah. Wow, yeah. So I finally listened to what my inside was saying, and it said, pull over, woman, take a nap. And I did. I pulled the car over. I took a two-hour nap, not meaning to. How do you fall asleep for two hours in a McDonald's if you're not really tired? Mm -hmm. And all the way home, I started thinking, okay, I am a pastor. I need to know better than this. I'm a professional caregiver. I need to know better than this. Where are the scriptures that teach this? And I proceeded to interview a lot of people that were doing the same thing I'm doing because there's so many of us. And I was given all kinds of ideas of what's working and what's not working. Well, I imagine one of the big things that you are counseling people with or helping them in your book about, I haven't seen your book, but is is just how to manage self-care. Is that right? Exactly. Because you've got to put your own oxygen mask on before you can assist others. 
what are some of the principles that you outline or suggest or found for yourself that were most important to pursue? Okay, the, the basics are where I try to keep it. And what I mean by that is we've all been promised the gifts of the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 5. We know that. We've got gifts of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. We know that. Now, where are the scriptures that talk about that and how do we imitate them? And what, what would that look like in this space? So if you ask yourself, what is the best thing about living with your aging mother? What's the best thing about living with your adult child? And you write that down. And then you say to yourself, okay, what's the one thing I wish I knew before they moved in? And you are going to hear that answer too. You're going to write it out. And then you're going to start to realize, okay, if I'm being loving, because we're told to love our neighbors as as ourselves, right? What does that look like if I'm not loving myself? So I stopped cleaning my mother's house every month. I wasn't doing her or me any good. Instead, I worked up volunteers in my family to clean my mother's house every month because she didn't have the money and we didn't have the money, but enough people wanted to know what they could do that I could write up a roster and people were more than willing to help with that. And so when I did come home, I could hang out with my mom instead of just clean her bathroom. So just getting organized about what those needs are. But you have to hear what they are. Mm-hmm. You have to hear what they are. And there are a lot of exercises each and every chapter that I've written touches down on one of the gifts, whether it be love or joy or peace, and gives you exercises to practice so that you could hear what it is you need in all the screaming going on around you. And when I say screaming, need scream at a person like me. I see them and I have to fix them. That's just my nature. And that's the way I was made. So how do I fix them and still take care of me is the basis of what I try to help other caregivers with. That's great. So how how do you see the content that you're providing help people in the same predicament that you were in? Well, I help them identify their predicament with questions. I use open-ended questions. For example, the two questions I gave you to begin with just a minute ago, those are things that I hadn't just sat down and thought about. What is my need? What do I need? And how do I get that met without exhausting myself? And Quite often, people haven't even taken time to just say, okay, what do I need in this situation without it getting to the point where you're ready to fall asleep in a car driving? You get so busy. So you have to listen to what your needs are and how do you do that? I've got a bunch of exercises throughout the book to help you get there. And I assume that those exercises too, Elizabeth, focus on what the needs are from your children and your spouse as well. Is that comprehensive or are you looking mostly just at what your needs are in in this case? I base what my needs are based on how I'm meeting their needs. I gotcha. So this can be complicated. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to add, let me make it simple. I grew up in the South. And I'm a Southern Christian woman. So in my mind, I thought a good wife has a dinner on the table when her husband comes home. That's just a cultural norm where I am, Mm -hmm. right? But I was getting bitter because I couldn't get home and get the dinner on the table and take care of all the carpool and everything. And I was, instead of sitting down and talking with my husband about what my needs were, I was getting anxious and angry. Like, he's got two arms. Why isn't he thinking of it? (laughs) Right? Who broke his grill? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm, I'm having these thoughts that just aren't fair to him at all mm-hmm. because I'm just meeting needs and not contemplating what is it I need in this? Oh, uh-huh. I need him to be a part of this. And this is how I think we can do this together. And that's really the way you're going to be thinking with each and every family member you have. For example, 
We come from a very large family, which is really great. But there are simple truths that are built into that, like who has the Christmas dinner? Who makes Thanksgiving dinner? These usually fall within a certain group of people, but everybody wants to be at that party, right? So how do you make it so everybody comes to the party ready to give and enjoying each other at the same time? So Elizabeth, how has the shift that you've taken in terms of the responsibility that you took to care for your mom, how did that change you as a person, affect your marriage, uh, your relationship with your daughters? Talk about the difference, the before and after that had for you. Well, that's a big paintbrush. Could we be specific in, can it be my husband or my daughters? Because sure. it's two totally. different relationships. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm going to concentrate on my daughters only because I'll, I'll probably drop my husband in unknowingly often. So I have to think to drop in my daughters because I do protect their identity a lot. So I don't discuss them much. But I have three grown daughters. But what they were doing was, is all of them were in college Uh, Some of them, one of them particularly had left college because it just wasn't right for her. And she then came back to us in that time frame and said, I'm ready to go back to college. We didn't have any money to send her a second time. And we said, what we can give you is our house to live in and your meals. But you're going to have to pay for college and you're going to have to continue working so you could pay for your other expenses. And she said, okay. And then we had to learn how to be two adults in the same space. I couldn't tell her what to do or how to clean or how to cook. Mm. She was an adult. Mm -hmm. And that totally changed from me being the mom who said, okay, dinner's at five Uh o'clock. That's a different relationship. And I had to relearn how not to boss my child who wasn't a child. She was an adult woman. And she had to learn how to talk to me as another adult, not just her mom. She had to to learn how not to have expectations of me taking care of her because I was no longer going to take care of her. We were working in the same space. Yeah, that's good. I I noticed when our kids come home, at least when I have one of my kids come home as a a young adult living on his own, I often find their cleanliness is not my cleanliness and it can get (laughs) annoying, you know, sometimes. I have to like remind myself that, okay, yep, um, his pace of picking up after himself is not the pace that I would want. And so you know, it's almost this transition of thinking about, you know, like they're adult roommates, but they're not like fully living there. And um, in your case, it sounded like they were, but I can see where it could add a different dynamic and a different thing you have to work through. Absolutely. I was talking with a lot of adults that had moved home And one of the hardest things is actually being that adult child. Being the parent can be easy because we, as you said, you're in your parents' home and you tend to follow their rules. There are no rules for a roommate. Yeah. And you have to both learn to redo that. And that takes a lot of intentional thought. Yeah. It's it's a good place where grace needs to abound, I think. (laughs) Definitely grace. Elizabeth, I want to touch on something that might be a challenge for some of our listeners that they might be experiencing. I think it's one thing when you have an aging parent who you've been close to and they have a health challenge and you do what you can to pull out all the stops and help them out as as you did with your mom. But talk about those people and what you might suggest to people who have had really challenging relationships with their parents where they may not even be talking to one another and yet they've now come into a health crisis or some need where they probably do need the child's help. How do you help them navigate that additional dynamic that might be going on? 
Well, that's a that's a large emotional question. And a lot of people that I've I've spoken with do have built up resentment or anger because of mostly I'm gonna say abandonment issues. Mm-hmm. A lot of the exercises that I discuss, because you've mentioned the word grace a lot, is um, there are a lot of exercises on how to forgive. And there are also a lot of exercises on not having any regrets. And regrets you may have as your parent ends this journey here on earth as, as they pass on into their next world are not to be mingled with today and what you're doing. And what I mean by that is this. If your mother is dying or when your mother is dying, there is a sacred space that happens between the divine and and the human. And to be a part of that space, no one that I've talked to, and I've talked to hundreds of people about this, no one regrets being at the side of their mother's bed when she dies. Doesn't mean it's beautiful. Doesn't mean it's this metaphoric thing that transforms you. But that's a space of not having any regrets. But what does that mean is if these issues go so deep that you can't talk about them without crying, see a professional counselor. I'm talking about taking this into your soul and into your spirit and learning, okay, how do I care for this person? Because it's who I am, not who they are. This is who I am. I am a caregiver and I need to be honest and true to my own spirit in this journey. Mm, That's a real good way to show that you're getting healthier is to be willing to step into something like that right? and embrace that. Now, I am not saying if this is an abusive situation where they're throwing things at you, mm-hmm. that you sit there. Mm-hmm. I'm not suggesting that at all. Mm-hmm. Those are the one-off situations that have other things and other things to discuss. Yeah, for sure. This is the Bold Idea Podcast. Well, I mean, let's take a moment and... Give thanks where thanks are due. Come on. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody that's out there supporting this podcast so that it can exist, thank you because it would not exist without you. Oh, that is so true because this is a nonprofit endeavor. We don't make any income from it. Very nonprofit. <laughs> In fact, we we uh, provide support to it. So we're so appreciative if you're joining with us through your tax deductible contribution to make this show possible. And if you do want to support and keep this bad boy going, then just go to boldideapodcast.com forward slash donate. I I'm, I'm, want to go back to your career trajectory and how this interrupted it. And I'd like to talk about that because you you had an idea about where this was taking you and it took you somewhere else, which then resulted in this book. So talk about that a bit. I'd, I'd like to just hear how you've, you sensed God leading you into writing about your book. That's a brilliant question. Uh, my husband and I uh, were very honored to be part of a, a mission team through our early marriage And so we raised our children overseas and in Africa. And when we came back to the United States, when they hit middle school, we knew through prayer that we were supposed to adopt. So we were one of the couples that were very fortunate to have one of the first girls out of China 25 years ago. So I ended up leaving the orphanage and having left 600 little girls in the orphanage and only taking one. And it just ate me up. So I started praying, God, you know, I can't parent 600 children. Help me find parents for them. I was contacted by an agency who then used me to help find parents for the children that were left there. And 9-11 happened. 
I saw how everything was starting to shut down and break down uh, with international adoptions. That doesn't mean that I still don't believe in them because I do. I have a lot of great friends that are still adopting. But I felt like that that journey was over. And I was asking myself, what do I need to do? And I heard that I needed to go to seminary. So I went to seminary and started my journey in theology and realized how little I understood scripture. And that's good because I don't think we're supposed to understand it all the time. Sometimes we just need to wrestle with it. And as I was preaching from pulpits and different churches, I just never felt comfortable. And I didn't understand why I needed to go to seminary not to feel so comfortable. And then this was handed to me. And this is where people started saying, let me tell you about my journey. Let me tell you about how hard it is with my mother right now. And I want to love her, but I also want to throw her out of a moving car. Let me talk to you about it. <laughs> Isn't it tr- from a train? Throw mama from a train? <laughs> it is. It is. And that, you know, that was true too with people with teenagers. And, you know, I have, I've had a few come apart and come to Jesus talks with my daughters as they matured and separated the, the, the way that they needed to do. So I had really core groups of people that would let me get with them and, and know that I, I love my children unconditionally, but today I really want to change all the locks in the house. So it's good to form these groups. And then these groups led into this book because so many people said, I just want somebody to know what they don't have to do. I just want somebody to know that they don't have to fall into this being so angry at their mother because she can't help it if she's wet the bed again. She can't. And we know that. So when we take the sheets off, how do we take the sheets off again and not just feel resentment? Mm-hmm. Gosh, that's so intense. Can I ask you, when when you're dealing with these kind of situations in other people's lives, what is some of the most intense type of situations that you have dealt with? I'm not sure you want to know the most intense. I kind of do. <laughs> trust, trust me, Armin does. <laughs> <laughs> it may okay. not be good for the rest of us, but he's got this morbid curiosity. It's true. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's good. Okay. I'm going to tell you something that, that's hard on our spirit is that we really want to help, but sometimes helping hurts. And, and what I mean by that is this. Let's say your mother can't get up and down. And I'm, I'm saying mom, because obviously that's my context the most. Yeah. But your mother can't get up and down. She weighed a lot more than I could lift. And I had to learn how to pick her up from the bed so she could stand up. Now, that seems like it's not a big deal. But people that aren't willing to learn or don't have the resources to learn have broken and dislocated their parents' arms, have cracked ribs, have been reported to abuse centers because they didn't know how to help. So there's a lot that goes into just something as simple as helping your mother sit up in the bed so she can go to the bathroom herself and not wet the bed. Mm-hmm. Is that what you meant? That is pretty intense. Um, I uh, Love. That's just love. And love's not supposed to hurt, right? Mm. So it scares us a bit, but there are plenty of resources to help us find out how to do that. You don't just have to have my book. There are plenty of resources to show us how to do that. So Elizabeth, I, I've got to think that people who are you know, pursuing whatever dream they have, whatever, maybe even bold idea that they're pursuing. And then they get word that either an older child, adult child, or a parent needs their help in an extraordinary way, whatever the circumstance. 
that causes this interruption, that there's this pause and probably a period of reevaluation of what am I to do? Am I to lean into this? Is this perhaps a little bit of resentment that it's coming upon them to provide support and care when the rest of their life is already busy enough as it is? What words of encouragement or, or suggestions do you have for people that may find themselves in that situation where the news has come down and they're, they're trying to figure out how to resort life in order to deal with this as a priority. I love that. I love that you went there. Um, you mentioned resentment. Mm-hmm. That is such a an all-encompassing emotion for this mm-hmm. because nothing mm-hmm. feels worse than resenting a parent or resenting a child. It's consuming. Um, so if you're asking yourself open-ended questions like the first two I, I, I talked to you about, so what's the best thing about my adult child? This one in particular made me laugh so much. She was the funniest person I've ever been with. But she was doing some things that was very that were very harmful to the family. And instead of resenting her, I had to learn how to fall in love with her again. Because you can't be a mother and not love your child. That's just so hard, right? Now, What I did was this. Here's a practical. There are these little shells that you can get on the beach in the Gulf of Mexico, and they look like a little kitten paw. Have you ever seen these shells? Mm -hmm. So I knew I needed to to get away from her and fall in love with her again. And I went to the beach, and every time I saw a kitten paw, I would pick it up and have a good thought about her. And I'd find another one. And those you have to look for those. They aren't just all over the beach. You have to look for those. I'd find another one. I'd remember another good thought with her. I left that beach with hundreds of cat paw shells, put them in a jar and put them on my dresser when I got home. And what happened with that was, is I thought of all these great things about her instead of all the bad things that were coming at me. And I had a visual, oh yeah, that's who she really is. She was really created in that image of a good and unconditionally loving God. That's how I need to see her if I'm going to be able to stay in love with her. Mm-hmm. So I've got to see it. I've got to think it. I've got to pray it. And now I can be it. Whatever is good and worthy of praise, think of these things. That's what you did. That's great. That's exactly what that was. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Well, Elizabeth, where is this taking you now? What You've got your book. It just released yesterday. What's next for you? What's your next bold idea? Well, I've, I've actually got two. And the first one was handed to me. Uh, quite a few people that have read the book um, because it was able to be ordered on Amazon for a, quite a, for about a year now, is they come to me and they say, where's my book? And most of these people were in their 70s and 80s. Where's my book? And it's people that age that were trying to figure out, are they going to live with their families? Are they going to live in a retirement community? Are they going to start over in a new career or retire? I mean, there's all kinds of issues in that instance. And then how do they talk to their adult children about it? So I've already almost finished with my second book. It's called Living with Aging. Mm. And that's because all these people kept saying, where's my book? And I was like, okay, what is your message? What is your story? Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, I'm also doing workshops and I'm working on a workbook itself right now so that people can go on and just get my workbook and the sheets for free and just do them on your own. And then how do you start your own loving community of people that you can sit around with? And I'm not saying talk about your gripes. I'm talking about how do we encourage each other? How do we sit down with somebody and say, okay, I am not being loving right now to my father. Does anyone here have any ideas about how to tell him to take his car keys and throw them in the garbage because that man should not be driving? Mm -hmm. Or how did you convince your father not to drive without being so angry at him or calling the police, right? I mean, you need a community 
And what I'm hoping to do is is have small communities all pocketed throughout the U.S. that you can go to for help. And perhaps one of our listeners right now is dealing with that situation in their life and, and would benefit from a community like that, in which case going to your website to get some resources about doing that would be helpful. How do they get a hold of you? Well, they can get a hold of me two ways. One, the website is www.livingwithmama.com. And now I spell mama the Southern way, M-O-M-M-A, right? So livingwithmama.com. I also have a Facebook group and it's Facebook with Living With Mama right there. So you can go on and people are already talking to each other in that community. And once or twice a week, I send you encouragement. You can just, there's nothing negative on that website and there's no debate. It's just a place of encouragement and an access to resources. So I'm hoping as I'm not being too overwhelmed with this new creation that's coming at me, (laughs) um, I'm hoping I can keep hearing what it is that people want to hear and the truths they want help with so I can send them to the good places and the good resources for it. Oh, that's awesome. That's really terrific. Well, I want to thank you for being a part of the Bold Idea podcast and inspiring our listeners to you know think through those things. We know that in any journey in life, God is going to call us to things that we don't even know about at the time. And that certainly happened with you. And it resulted in this new ministry and this book that you have. And that's an exciting story that you've told. So very, very glad for that, Elizabeth. And thank you for being on the program. Thank you. I love the Bold Idea. I really appreciate you having this podcast. Well, I mean, Elizabeth Adams, and she brings some really important resources that I kind of wish I had when my parents were going through all the stuff that they went through and all the demands that um, we had on us as kids to, to take care of them. Yeah, I can't imagine you're the only one saying that after listening to this. Yeah. But, you know, I think I'm also maybe didn't pursue an angle with her. <laughs> maybe I should have, which... Which was, you know, I think of the three siblings in my family, I probably did the least. <laughs> so, oh, wow. So Most people wouldn't admit to that. <laughs> I love well, that. I was, just... <laughs> I, I was the farthest away. And so, uh, you know, the pra- there's practicality about what you can do when you're not physically near your parent. Mm. And uh, so I think that that, uh, that factored into it. But some really good stuff here. And I want to start my observation of this interview with you. Uh, with respect to a theme that I've seen in what has happened in her life that we've seen over and over and over and over and over again when we've talked to guests on the Bold Idea podcast. And that is simply what? this. You're you're headed down a path. You have a bold idea. You, you, you know something about your life that you're going to pursue as she was. She was, you know, going to get her degree and become a pastor and do all that stuff. And then an event occurs, which then causes you have to have to reassess your priorities and really determine if you're going to act out of your value system, or at least you are going to act out of your value system. It kind of exposes what those values are. And so an event occurs that causes you to go down a different path where you meet different people that have the same sort of needs that you are grappling with. In her case, um, it's dealing with her aging and um, sick mom. And then you find out that there's a new bold idea that comes out of that, which in her case is, hey, we can create these community groups that help people and we can put this book together that would be a great resource for people. And so we often have a preconception. I think our guests have done this over and over again, where they're headed down one path and an event occurs, they start heading down another path. And that's really where that bold idea in their life gets woken up. And I'm guessing we didn't really ask Elizabeth, but maybe we did. This isn't a path that she would have chosen to begin with. And it wasn't like this was on her trajectory to say, that's what I'm going to do with my life and here's how I'm going to help people. And yet, through the circumstances that God permitted to occur in her life, gave her an opportunity to really make a difference in a lot of people. 
Yeah, I, I think I had a similar thought, which was how often we encounter or interview individuals who are taking the greatest challenges of their lives and turning them into their greatest ministry opportunities that they have. And I think what I love about it is even with Elizabeth is that she didn't just give up on her plans. She took on the challenge. She kept pursuing what she felt called to. And at the tail end of that, which by the way, wasn't 15 days or 15 weeks or 15 months. It was 15 years mm-hmm. uh, has brought her to a point where she's ministering to people far beyond her own church community or her own city or anything like that. I mean, it's content that's going out to uh, all of America. And I I don't know if she said it during the interview or before our interview, there's 69 million uh, people in in the United States right now that are dealing with the issues that we were talking about of, uh, you know, children and adults living at home or the parents having cancer or some type of issue that's uh, requiring them to be taken care of. I mean, that, that's no small thing. That is a huge platform that her challenges have brought her to. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, that is a pretty good-sized congregation right there. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, we don't have a giga church yet. We might as well get there. Yeah, for sure. You know, And so that's, that's exactly right. And I think what we see often in our guests, and there's probably examples of that in microcosm in our life where God kind of tilts us And that tilt ends up when we lean into it and we trust him for it into a bigger thing than we thought it would be, or we wouldn't have even conceived of it, which is to me kind of fun. Absolutely. You know what I I, I love about Elizabeth is that you can tell she is the eternal pastor and counselor. You you can tell she had to fight her way through answering questions and not asking questions. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I mean, she's got that voice where you just kind of want to let her do her well, thing. For sure. <laughs> well, and she's also very thoughtful and you can tell that she's she's really worked through a lot of things. And also one of the things that I really appreciated about her is that it's one thing to, you know, open the Bible and share an inspiring quote from the Bible, but it's another to then take that and say, practically speaking, here's how you live that out. Mm. And I think that's really what she's doing and that's what her book is about and that's what her communities are about is to say, look, Let's not start from what we think is right. Let's start from what God thinks is right, but let's put that into real practical terms that we can use on a day-to-day basis. And I just, I love that she really took that kind of approach. Yeah, and I think one of the things that she said that we almost breezed over, which is something that rocked me a few years ago, um, and I spent a ton of time even collecting data and research and all these things just so I could put a sermon together. But she said, if we are called to love God with all our heart, mind, body, and soul, and to love our neighbor the way that we love ourselves. How do you, how do you love your neighbor well if you don't love yourself? Mm-hmm. And then we just kind of went to the next thing. But that little question right there is something that haunted me. And I obsessed with that and wrestled with that for I don't, I don't know how many years. And I probably still do. And man, 
the fact that she used that and leveraged that to come up with all of this and have such a specific target market that she's going after and the way that she's just ministering to people. I just, I just, I, I love all of it because this isn't something to breeze over. It does require some thought. Yeah, well, that's the, that's the trouble with having a guest like Elizabeth on the show is that we breezed over everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was a couple of mental health practices that she mentioned and she didn't describe them this way, but I kind of wrote them down this way because to me, that's what they are. And the one, and I know we, we glossed over both of them, but the two, that I took note of is one is decide where you're going to give forgiveness and where you're going to have regrets. That whole coupling of forgiveness with regrets. Mm. And I think it's one of those things, especially as you're dealing with aging parents and even your own kids is like, where do you want to fight your battles? And, and what do you end up wanting to regret? And because you live with your regrets, you know, and if you decide that the cost of the regret is greater than the cost to forgive somebody... <laughs> then you'll choose to forgive every time. You know, because if you, if you like carry this burden of well, my parents now no longer living and I can never have that conversation of forgiveness with them, you know, you're going to carry that regret. Yeah. And, uh, and so I think that that's a really good mental health practice is just, you know, let's live in such a way that we give more forgiveness so we reduce our regret bank account. You know, and just that was one of the things that I wrote down just when she tied those two things together. Because I remember when my dad passed away, there was another friend of mine who was talking about how he was having some real estrangement from his dad. And I just said, look, you never know when your dad's going to leave you. You know, mm. go take care of that now, you know. And, and so for those of our listeners who have parents and for whatever reason you're estranged from them, I, my, I can't tell you in any stronger words than I can is just go do what you can to heal that relationship in and, and, and all the ways that you can. Now, I understand things are two-sided, but live in such a way that you can say you've done everything you can to make that relationship better and you will not regret it then. Mm. So that was one thing. And the other that I love was her example of picking up those cat paw shells and using them as a visual reminder of gratitude. It was for her daughter, right? Gratitude uh, for her daughter. And that we can use whatever visually to remind ourselves to practice gratitude. And I think that that's really a good exercise for us. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, it, it's not just a thought exercise. It's sensory. It's visual. Yeah, I, I, I was processing that and I, I was just thinking back to therapy sessions I've had. That's actually brilliant. Mm -hmm. In the church yeah. I'm leading right now, we have a whole pillar of stones that we have constructed, which is basically, you know, uh, something that we're grateful for. We write it on the stone and we place it on the pillar. And it's just neat to see every Sunday that thing grow just a little bit more because pe God's people are showing gratitude for that. And it's just a, it's a fun visual reminder of all the things that we could be grateful for. And we can't even conceive all the things that God does and all the things that he prevents, the bad things that he prevents from happening that we just even aren't aware of to give thanks for. So it's just kind of a neat thing to symbolize that in a very tangible way. Wow, right on. Yeah, that was excellent. I, I mean, I, I could keep going on and on, but I assume we're out of time. But Elizabeth was amazing and I can't wait to contact her and talk to her more again. Yeah, for those of you who want to get more information about Elizabeth, you can find her website and all that on our show notes at boldideapodcast.com slash 92. 
And uh, there you'll have an opportunity to leave us a comment and let us know what you think about uh, the show and any questions that you might have for Elizabeth. And I know that she'd love to hear from you. She's also got the Facebook page and her own website where you can get resources and all those links will be on our show notes as well. So that's it for this episode of the Bold Idea Podcast. I wanted to say thank you for listening and uh, refer us to your friends. Let them know about the show as well. And until next time, this is Larry Gates. And Armin Asadi. Saying so long. You've been listening to the Bold Idea Podcast. To get our show notes sent to your inbox, visit boldideapodcast.com.